Welcome back to the Wizards of Amazon podcast, your weekly blueprint for explosive success. I'm Carlos Alvarez, full-time successful Amazon seller and organizer of the largest Amazon seller meetup group in the world. Let's do this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wizards of Amazon podcast, where we cover all things private label. My name's Carlos Alvarez, and I'm going to be the host for the show. And today I have a, I guess, relatively new friend, last year and a half, two years, definitely a fast friend, Kevin Sanderson. What's up, Kevin? Carlos, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And congratulations on this podcast. This is awesome. Absolutely, man. I've actually was a was a guest on yours. So uh, yes, you were. Lots of great feedback. Number one downloaded episode, actually. Yes, that's exactly what yeah, I want to hear. I've, I've, you beat out some big names for that one. I love it. We got to post those names for my ego. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. You just made my day. Awesome, awesome. We we first met. I'm, if I'm recalling this right, we first met setting up a post event for at at uh, in Miami uh-huh. for God. What was that? What was that? What was that conference that was? Down it was there? Seller Summit. So yes, I might have actually met you a couple of years earlier at another Seller Summit where you had something that our mutual friend Scott Volker was doing, and I think I might have just met you briefly. But then you and I were working together on the meetup this uh, this last time. We got to know each other pretty well there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, the seller sessions—that's what it is. Seller sessions. Oh, seller, seller summit. Seller summit. So seller mm-hmm. summit events are there in South Florida. So the the previous two years from this one, they were at a different location on the beach. And yes, they were in Fort Lauderdale Beach, but this year they were in Miami. Yeah. So the one on Fort Lauderdale Beach, my meetup group, the majority of people don't go to that event. Mm-hmm. But they, everyone wanted to get together for the networking events afterwards that Scott mm-hmm. was kind of, uh, Scott would mention like, hey, I'm going to be out there. Right. Uh, let's go. And then we'd all go. So yeah, very likely. I think that's been three, four years now that we, we've gone to the networking events afterwards. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and you guys always bring a good enthusiastic group. Oh, yeah. The Wizards of Amazon, very enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin, in addition to that, You've spoke twice uh, or presented twice at um, at my meetup group. Yes. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A good group. Everyone's super enthusiastic and you can definitely tell everyone's really trying to help each other and you know learn from one another. And it's like, it's definitely a sense of like, you know, sometimes you go to these groups and you know, people are really guarded, but there is like kind of the sense of like the rising tide lifts all boats. Oh, I love that. Well, well, like you said that I, I was the most downloaded episode of yours. You've been the most requested guest to come back. <laughs> thanks, that thanks. Present, that, that made my day. Yes, that that is presented at the meetup both times. Oh, so nice. I, every time afterwards, and I talk about like, hey, who we're going to bring back to the event to talk? The majority of people would say you. Awesome, um, awesome. Your your, your topics that you spoke on was uh, I'm going to say selling internationally on Amazon. Yes. and mm-hmm. I, I have to say that listening to I sell everywhere internationally there is on Amazon. I do great in Amazon, Turkey. We're, we're really p- ramping up in uh, oh, wow. UAE, so mm-hmm. like w- everywhere. But I have a really big team, and some of the little spots and the connections that you need to make for it to make sense, I don't know them, but I know someone who does. Right. Whereas when you got up there and you presented, it wasn't it wasn't just a fifty thousand feet view. It was very actionable content for you to, like our mutual friend says, take action <laughs> and actually begin selling internationally on Amazon. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what I'm all about is that, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
I've been selling online now for about four years and it all came down to, I listened to podcasts and YouTube videos. And that's what helped me was kind of these virtual mentors. So in in a lot of ways, I look at it as if I can reach back and whether it's, you know, in a podcast like this or, uh, you know, going to a, a meetup group or, you know, speaking at an event, something where I can just reach back and help people, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, making credits for all the, the debits I, I took from all the great content I've listened to over the, uh, the years. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, what, what I'm hoping in this podcast we can do is kind of like share some of the Kevin love on, on how to execute <laughs> on, on selling internationally successfully. Mm-hmm. But before that, can you, for the listeners that don't know you or have not sure. attended one of the meetup groups, who, who, who is Kevin? How, how do we get here? How did we like, how did you connect with Amazon? Uh, you mentioned Scott Volker, legend in the industry. How did that mm-hmm. happen? Walk, walk us through that. Gotcha. Wow, that's a it's a it's a uh, a winding road there. Um, so so just uh, b- bear with me here. So, I I guess I'm one of those people that always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug, but I convinced myself I needed to climb the corporate ladder. So I was climbing the corporate ladder, um, worked for a couple of Fortune 500 companies. And while I was in the middle of working for one of those Fortune 500 companies, I went onto eBay and I, I bought two Nike Forwards because I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can sell these because I did my product research at the time, which was, let, let's say this was 2004, 2005. I don't even know because my eBay account doesn't even go back that far to tell me um, when I actually bought those, <laughs> those, uh, those golf clubs. And I thought if I went to Nike.com for my product research and see the MSRP was like $400, I was like, oh, I'm going to 10X my money. I just, <laughs> just do this over and over again all day. So I was like, I'll test it with two. So then I quickly realized, wait, if I'm buying them for $40, everyone else can buy them for $40. So I didn't look at like what they were actually selling for on eBay, not like just like, oh, I, I found this like diamond in the rough. It was like everybody else for months who'd been buying Nike Forwoods were buying them within a few bucks of what I bought it. So I was like, I did what a lot of people do. I did nothing. <laughs> and those golf clubs, one of them is still in the packaging as a reminder of how I did nothing. And one of them is collecting uh, dust on my golf bag because I don't really play golf all that much. And fast forward to 2015, I was working at a buddy of mine's insurance agency and I was enjoying the job, but it was like one of those things that I realized, you know, if I'm going to work this hard, I really want to work for my own dreams. Cause I was seeing it firsthand, like the, the work I was doing was contributing to someone else's dreams. And I, I'm very happy for their success and all the things that have, you know, gone on for them. But it's one of those things where it was like, you know, I want to, I want to do something on my own. So it was going back to like that entrepreneurial See that didn't really mm-hmm. sprout. I decided I'm going to start looking at it. I'm going to start watering it. So I'd been listening to podcasts and I, I was having trouble with like trying to figure out what was that thing I wanted to do. And one day I just happened to find the Amazing Seller podcast with our friend that we've referred yeah. refer to here, Scott Volker. And I just liked the way he outlined it and it was very value first. It was like, okay, here's the steps. You could, you know, he had ways you could work with him in one way, shape, or form. But if you could just literally take what you learned and you could apply it. And so I decided what I was going to do was I was going to test this out. So basically dabbled a little bit in retail arbitrage, got my first sale and I was like, oh, wow, this is 
possible. So then I, I decided I was going to take a year's worth of earnings as a high school football referee and apply that to my first product. And so then I was doing what Scott said about, you know, private labeling. And that was like, you know, basically taking his, not taking, but utilizing his formula that he had at the time of how I could launch my own branded product. And so I just kept reinvesting and reinvesting into that. And so, you know, basically my private label journey, so to speak, would have been probably about 2016, early 2016. So after that football season, the fall of 2015, um, I get to December of 2018 and I left my job and I was like, okay, this is fun. It's, it's getting real now. And before I left my job, I was at Seller Summit the year before this meetup that you and I are talking about. And Scott was talking about how he really wanted to do more for intermediate to advanced level sellers. And I remember thinking to myself, well, he should do a live event. And I was like, well, but I actually worked in conventions. So one of the Fortune 500 companies I worked for was when I was in hotels and I managed a team of event managers. So I was like, I understand how events work. So I thought, you know what? He's just going to say no, but let's just take the risk, so to speak, which was no risk. It's not like he was going to like, you know, shoot me or charge me thousands of dollars, you know, for even suggesting something. But, you know, I thought like, he's at least just going to be nice and telling me no. So I was like, Hey Scott. And it was like, I'd met him. So, you know, it wasn't like a cold email. I was like, Hey, here's what I think you should do. Da, 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 da. So I'm expecting an email back saying, no, don't worry. Thanks. We've thought about it. You know, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, tell me more. How would that look? And so we started like going back and forth and I kind of described it and he realized I kind of did know at least enough to be dangerous with uh, running a live event. And so we ended up having Brand Accelerator Live, which was just this past September, which you were there. And yes. uh, it was a it was a great event bringing in you know e-commerce sellers and Scott is very high energy so it was uh, definitely a very high energy event um, lots of fun lots of uh, things we learned like one of the things that was hard was just like when we would have breaks you know we want people to go back into the room it was hard because everyone was just enjoying talking to each other so much we couldn't get people to get back into the room so <laughs> for next year we're gonna have to readjust our time schedule just because we know everybody enjoys talking so much but it was uh, um, in a nutshell basically how I met Scott. But the thing that I, I think was very instrumental in my success backing up into how I was able to leave my job was early on, I got like looking at ways, how could I grow the business? And not just with products, but how can I cast a wider net? And one of the things I did was start launching into Canada. And then I used that to go into the UK because it's also English speaking. And then, you know, go into some of the non-English speaking language or marketplaces. And so now I'm actually in nine of the, uh, including the US, but nine, which would be eight international marketplaces. Um, and it's become a six-figure revenue stream for me. That's, that's amazing. Just um, the international part. Yeah. I mean, kudo, it's, it sounds like you deal with stressful situations really good because I can't wrap my head around a high school referee. That, that sounds stressful. And then I would not have had the stones to go up to Scott and and the an unknown, a total unknown at that time, relatively new to selling when compared to uh, to Scott and some other longtime sellers, and and pitch them on something that I guess there's no guarantees things can go wrong, and and that event turned out amazing. Yes, well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, the thing of it is with the whether it's officiating high school football, planning an event, or just in e-commerce, we forget sometimes it's so much about relationships um, that. 
not to dive into the weeds and how that works in the football refereeing world, but in, in, you know, e-commerce, we get so stuck in, I'm behind a, a keyboard and I'm clicking away on stuff that, you know, there's always someone on the other end. Or if, you know, if you have a, you know, a podcast or something, and, you know, the more relationships you have with people, you know, the better everything's going to be. Because in this world, we figure it the online, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're hiding behind Amazon's, you know, listing pages. But at the end of the day, there's real people on the other side, you know, whether people that, you know, you know, they're listening to this podcast, they're real people with real hopes and dreams. And Scott, you know, is a real person. Carlos is a real person. And, you know, sometimes we forget that. And when we connect with people on a personal level, that when we at least, you know, have an idea, they're more likely to take us seriously if they've met us face to face or at least some sort of conversation. So that's one thing I would say to people is that, you know, if you're looking for, if it's just someone to be a mastermind with or something, you know, don't just reach out cold to somebody, you know, at least start, if you are going to reach out cold, you know, start with just starting a conversation, you know, don't go up to someone and just start, you know, um, pitching them on an event, pitching them on an event. <laughs> hey, you need to sign a contract. It's going to be, we'll put you on the hook for a lot of money with uh, Hilton, if, but just trust me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Um, so, so eight different marketplaces international marketplaces and nine and counting the US. Um, what was it smooth sailing for you when you got started? Um, I, I know you are an expert in it now. You picked North America first. So you picked Canada first. Was that right? Yes. I picked Canada first. And um, and we can walk through more of the steps to save a lot of the time and heartache and some of the mistakes I've made along the way. Of Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And again, this is my little way of giving back because, you know, the thing of it is, is like, you know, there's all these different shiny objects of things we could do, but it's like, it's the time it takes to research it, you know? And so for me, I, I was like, Canada is good because it's right there. And it's, you know, it's just North of America. Like I, I, I've yet to find the actual statistic, but the estimates are anywhere between 75 and 90% of the population of Canada lives within a hundred miles of the U S border. So that means they're basically just Americans who are just really nice people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like that stereotypically nice Canadian. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's good to go to Canada first because, you know, you can get your feet wet. The taxes, it's actually simpler than it is in the U S with sales tax. Um, And you know, culturally, it's very much the same. And so you can pretty much just put your listing up there and call it a day um, and send in some inventory. I mean, there's a few steps which we can go into just to make it simpler for people. But the next step I would say is, you know, I went into Europe and the nice thing is, you know, you can start with the UK because the nice thing is UK, they're English speaking. The culture is pretty similar to the US. Um, and then you can use it as a, the way that works. So depending on what happens with Brexit, by the time right. people are listening to this, at the time we're recording this, you can keep your inventory in the UK and you can use that as a base of operations to send it to other European countries. If that cuts off, well, you can go into Germany or somewhere and import it to Germany and hold it there to go to the other European countries. So basically, I branched out into the other European countries, tried out Japan, which has been pretty much a dud for me. And I, I recently launched really? in Australia. Yeah. I've heard mixed things on Japan. So Japan's fantastic for me. Really? Yes. I'll have to uh, maybe get a recommendation on a translator. Now, one of the issues 
I've found with Japan and Australia is you're kind of flying blind with the tools like Jungle Scout don't mm-hmm. work there. So you'd have to go very manual with processes to figure out like, you know, the old 999 trick of like right. putting 999 units in your basket and seeing day by day at the same time, like how, how many units they have and Absolutely. figuring out the BSR and Having basically flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. You have to do a lot of data extrapolation. Um, so I don't know if maybe just my products wouldn't be the right thing for it, but part of what I suspect is Amazon helped me. And I think anyone that, if Amazon's calling you, at least answer their their call. Um, but they did the translations for me, and they even admitted afterwards that they weren't the best translations. They were machine translated with the person looking at it. And so, yeah. I, I I love Amazon, but translations, photos, uh, their suggestions on copy, all of that, I found to be subpar at best. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they uh, and part of it is no one really understands the journey of what you need to do as a seller, like someone else who's lived it. So you know, people that are in Amazon, they're trained well as to what their job is, and you know, they they do a, a good job, and they're yeah, they have a script or whatever, but they're doing it you know, in their silo and understanding what's in their silo, and they don't always understand even within their own company how it all works together. They're probably very much experts at their thing but they don't always know everything else. And so I, I've had mixed results when I have worked with an Amazon rep to get launched. But um, I, I, yeah, Japan has been a bit of a dud for me, but some of it is, it could be the product. It could be the translation. It could be a variety of things. Right. Well, the majority of the products that do well for me in Japan is just a side note are, uh, are glass products. But oh, interesting. All my glass products, just you hmm. can't keep them in stock. But, uh, and I love it because almost everybody runs from glass products because, right, right, right. Yeah. The, the, the current knowledge is it's fragile. It's heavy. Like, don't <laughs> right. give it. I love it. So when I, when they zig, I zag. B. Yeah. That's so true. Like, as long as you can, like, kind of deviate a little bit from what everyone else is doing, like, there's somewhat of a formula, but don't copy the formula, like, right. line by line. Absolutely. Um, I noticed you didn't mention Mexico and it's in North America. Is there a reason minus the language difference that you don't mention it or are you currently there now? No, I'm working on that. And that's one that's like, I've, that one is, I'm, it seems to be tougher. And a lot of that seems to be the, the reliable transportation to get it into Mexico. And some of that is like, I could spend the time to, figure it out but it's like anything you only have so much time in a day and mexico hasn't been high on my list because some of some of it is you know there's there's registrations like you have to get the rfc id and things of that nature or you could use a freight forwarder that has that but oftentimes they're really expensive so just working it with the margins it hasn't been a low-hanging enough fruit to be honest with you for me to chase after mexico okay then then let's 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 do this canada uh, sure. a, a seller right now, I, I don't think anyone would not want to throw that wider net and take advantage of sales in Canada if they're selling in the US. But I, I find in the meetup group, talking mm-hmm. to clients, as I'm sure, same with you, Sure, people just get too caught up on the acronyms and the different steps that they have to take that they didn't have to take in the US. Is there a way that you could walk through maybe uh, an executable step-by-step process that someone sure. can go from U.S. to selling in Canada with products sure. and FDA. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to, to go through this. So really what it comes down to is, you know, 
first thing you want to do is decide what country you want to go into. Now, I, I think Canada is the best one to at least start because it's, it's there. Friendly it's American. An, it, it's a friendly, very friendly American <laughs> with A, that say A a lot. Um, but uh, the thing of it is, is I would say that, you know, what you should first do is just go on amazon.ca. So if you're selling glasses, well, however people would search and find yours, they're probably going to use a similar search term there. And you, if you have Jungle Scout, it works there as well. Uh, and you can just see, are people buying it? Now, the thing, sometimes people get, tripped up in this step of kind of validating what a product sell is like, but the numbers aren't the same. Well, you know, it's a 10th of the population. So if you get 10% of sales, you know, it's, it's good. But the thing of it is, you're remembering, you're not necessarily having to order new inventory. You could use existing inventory. So if you have a warehouse, you could take it from the warehouse or, you know, you could tell your supplier, you want to take a certain portion of whatever order you were going to order and send that into, you know, Canada, or you could do it Europe as well. But the thing of it is, is like now you could be selling through your inventory faster and getting your money back faster. So you look at it and see, okay, if I'm going into an international marketplace like Canada, don't get too caught up in the numbers because some of it is like if you're looking at your competitors, let's say all of the variations are like lumped together as one BSR, which sometimes we see. Mm-hmm. They may have, let's say it's a high-end variation where maybe they have 20 variations in the US, but they only have four in Canada for whatever reason. Well, that's going to affect the sales, you know, even if you're looking at the 10%. So I would say that what you're really looking at is, does it at least sell? And if like it sells and if people in that country are buying it and there's not a lot of regulatory hoops, which... Outside of like supplements, I don't think there's a lot of regulatory hoops for most products right. in Canada. Uh, supplements are actually pretty uh, um, intense. Intense. I mean, it's possible, and there's there's hot ways of doing it, but yeah. it's 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 a little more intense. But if if a product is selling in the U.S. and similar products are selling in Canada, at least try because you'll get data. You'll find out like what your product will sell in that marketplace. So then let's say you say, okay, I am going to do this. Now you want to go register. So in Canada, you're going to fill out form RC1 as in Revenue Canada. Um, and what people will get tripped up about it on is like, oh my gosh, it's a government form. Well, remember, if you screw it up, they might call you and ask you clarifying questions. Like they're not going to like yell at you. You're not going to get arrested. You know, as long as you're acting in good faith, Everything is figure outable. Generally, you want to apply for what's called non-resident importer status and then their sales tax, which is GST, HSC. And the nice thing about Canada is... Take, take a step back for one second. Where sure. would someone go to get the RC form? Oh, just Google. Just Google okay. RC1. Canada. Right. And you'll, you'll find that. it. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a PDF. You can fill it out or you can print it out and fill, fill it out by hand. Okay. And yeah, so you fill it out. You're asking for a business number so that you can have non-resident importer status and for GST, HST, which is their sales tax. Don't get too hung up on those terms there. Just think sales tax. Just like in the US, you have a product, depending on the province that they live in, they get charged a certain amount, but it all gets filed to the federal government. Um, Then what you're going to do is 
you're going to actually fax it to them. And if you look up online again for non-resident inquiries in Canada for um, Canadian Revenue Agency, there's an office. Depends on where you live, where that office is. So, like for us in Florida, it's in Ontario. Um, so you send it, you fax it to them. <laughs> I keep wanting to say send it. Like you know, uh, you could mail it to them, but I've found it. It's a the paper trail is actually better because I have a service where I help people with this. So I have found in my experience, it's better if you fax it. It seems so counterintuitive to us, but like, you know, if you, if you mail it to them, it may take like a week to get there. And then like they put it off to the side and takes an extra week to process, but they're like kind of like in this first in first out for when they get it, if you fax it. So you're in the line quicker. If you okay, fax that makes it. sense. So then once you get that business registration, um, what you're going to do is you're going to copy over your listings. Um, you could do it manually if it's individuals, or you could also do a bulk upload for your listings. And if you're like, well, I have a lot of listings, you could, you may not have access to this now, but if you put in a seller, seller, seller central ticket, um, you could request for seller support to give you access to the, what's called the category listings report. Mm-hmm. And that will give you access to all your listings in the US and then you can take all the information. The columns don't match up perfectly, but you can at least take that data and put it into a bulk upload. If you wanted to, you can do it individually. And now your listings are there. So now you send in some inventory and this also, the inventory step trips people up a little bit because one, it's how much should I send? And two, how do I do it? Because how much I send is, well, there's less sales. Well, start small. You know, Assuming your product is going to get 10% of sales, you don't need to send in the same amount you would send into Amazon in the US. So if you use 10% as a benchmark figure, knowing that you know it might take a little while for the algorithm to learn your new product and things of that nature. Um, but what I would say is what you could do is you know, just send in, even if it's 8% of what you might get over like a two, three month span of time in the US, send that in. You know, if it's at like a case or two or whatever that math works out for you. Then Unfortunately, we love getting Amazon's rates when we send packages into Amazon in the US. I'm jotting a note right now to ask you that question in a second, but you got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly what because, I was going to ask. <laughs> exactly. We're, 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 we're driving here. So the, everyone thinks like, oh, it's so great. And I was thinking about it like, you know, I sent like 12 boxes the other day into Amazon and it was like $70 or whatever it was. That was me sending it from Amazon from my house within the US to Amazon in the US. Well, that doesn't happen when you go across the border because they don't want to be involved in that. So what happens is you got to get your own shipping. Now, if you have a freight forwarder, freight forwarder could help you with this. Or you could go to ups.com. As of now, in the last shipment I sent to Canada, putting in promo code easy or promo code fast got me 40% off. In fact, I have discounts on my UPS account. And I still put in easy and fast because oftentimes to ship to Canada using what's called UPS standard. And FedEx has something similar too, but I like UPS. UPS standard is like their ground international. Um, and you save 40%. It's, that's, that's the word easy and fast together? Or oh, no, no. Or? Sorry. You could put in promo code easy. Or you can put in promo code FAST. Try both of them. See which one gives you better. They're generally, you're both 40%. Okay. That's, that's and, an awesome tip. Yeah. And the nice thing is too, like sometimes you, when you put in that code, you get on their radar of like someone that they should, their salespeople should call and give you 
other discounts. <laughs> right. And even if they give you discounts on your account, in my experience, which literally was just a couple of weeks ago, you still can use easy and fast if it's better for you. It'll just give you the better of the two. That's a money-making tip there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love giving money-making tips. <laughs> so then you send it in and you got to include what's called the commercial invoice. You get commercial invoices every time you get a shipment. If you've not created a commercial invoice, UPS, it'll walk you through how to do that. Yeah, it's pretty um, simple. It's very simple. And, and then at the border, you have to pay duties and 5% GST. Now, one thing that trips people up is when you're sending stuff in, for the commercial invoice, it asks for a value. Don't put what the selling price is, put what you paid for that product because it's the declared value, which is at this point in the, in the supply chain, so to speak, that's what's been paid. So the value is what you paid. And then you're going to pay 5% GST on that, which is their goods and services. Basically, you're paying sales tax. How do, they, how do they receive the money? So great question. So unfortunately, you know, it would be almost impossible to like coordinate where like you meet them at the border and you pay the money yourself. So UPS will generally work as a broker on your behalf. So you can either, there's two ways of doing this. So the theoretical way that you probably should do it is call up UPS, get a rep to help you set up a brokerage account. What I have found works as well but you got to be really on the ball with this, is you, if you've never set up a brokerage account with UPS, you could theoretically just send it because their goal is to get it across the border in a certain amount of time. So they will hound you and say, you need to fill out these forms. This needs to be notarized. I mean, it's, it's not that hard. Uh, basically, to set up a brokerage account where they pay everything on your behalf and then you pay them. And then um, if you do go that route where the, your first shipment, you just send it and say, they'll walk me through what I need to do. Make sure if they say this form needs to be filled out in 48 hours or something, you do it in 48 hours because there's only so much time that they'll hold it at the border with returning it. And if they return it, then you have to pay for it again. So that's kind of like, you could do it, but if you're like about to go on a cruise and you're not going to have access to the internet, then I wouldn't suggest that. Um, but if you do have access to the internet and notaries and things of that nature, you could do it that way. So you don't have to like wait another week or two for the shipment, for the uh, uh, account, to, brokerage account to be set up for you before you create the shipment. Okay. So then it gets across the border. You pay the brokerage fee. Keep that receipt, that invoice, because on it, it's going to walk. It's going to give you like whatever the GST you paid. You're going to be actually able to take that as a credit when you um, when, when you go to file your GST, which we'll walk through here in a minute. Okay. Um, but now inventory is in Amazon. You start seeing sales rolling in. Expect it might take a little bit of time uh, for sales to roll in. It's not overly complicated to just turn on PPC and just kind of let it run. The nice thing is if you know, you're getting 10% of the sales, you're going to have 10% of the data. So you don't have to like go in as often as you do in the US sure. to optimize it. And then now you've got money coming to you every two weeks and it's going to be in Canadian dollars. So one little tip I have for people, and this is also another money saving tip. So if you go on Google and you look up how, what, what is the, let's say US dollar to Canadian dollar. So oftentimes it's about one to 1.33. So for every US dollar, it's about 1.33 Canadian dollars or one U or sorry, one Canadian dollar is about 75 cents US. 
Well, you never get that exact rate because that's what banks charge each other. It's called the mid-market rate. So what you would want to do, I recommend doing is, well, let me take a step back. Amazon will be more than happy to put the money into your US banking account, changing it from Canadian dollars to US dollars. And you're going to pay about three, 4%. Mm-hmm. Going back to there's you know the mid-market rate where banks charge each other. You'll never get that rate. You're always going to pay something. So Amazon's going to charge you, let's say it's three, 4%. So you want to, you can save on that. So if you use a company like Payoneer, ping pong payments, I personally use Payoneer. Um, you can basically, they'll hold the money for you in a Canadian dollar account. And then when you're ready to move the money into your US bank account, they only charge you 2%. So you may think like, oh, it's only one or 2%. I mean, one or 2% adds up over time. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, exactly. I'd rather put that in PPC or anything. Right, exactly. And, you know, whatever. So now you've got money and now you can reinvest it into your business. Um, and the nice thing is if, if you've been thinking, if someone listening to this is saying, okay, I've been wanting to do content or I've been wanting to do Facebook ads or I want to do this, but I just, I don't feel like I have the cash flow. Well, selling internationally could be one way that you start getting the cash flow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what you'll do is then say, okay, if you're, feeling good about this. Now you can start looking at Europe. And so I, you know, like I said before, you start with UK, then you maybe go into the international marketplaces where they don't speak English, like Germany and Italy and Spain and all that. Um, and just kind of start going from there and building yourself an international empire. And just keep in mind, you do have to still pay the sales taxes or if you're in Europe, it's that. Um, and the nice thing about Canada is you only pay it once a year to the Canadian government, and then you can take input credits, kind of like what I was saying before about you know what you paid at the border. So it's one of those things that trips people up, but then you kind of walk them through the steps. It's fairly simple. The the Canadian sales tax, is that right? That you pay once a year? Mm-hmm. Is that what you called it? Sales tax? Yeah, you- I call it sales tax. It's GST, HST. So right. it's goods and services tax or harmonized sales tax. Um, so, so those taxes that you pay at the end of the year, is that something that you hire an accountant or a bookkeeper for? Is that, where is that paid? Uh, I, I understand some of it. I know you're sure. not flying to Canada and walking into some building, but like, can you walk us through that? Yeah, exactly. So basically when it's time to, there's two ways you could do it. So there's, um, there's services that'll do it. If you want to DIY it, it's like, four or five boxes on their form um, to file. You just have to file at the end of the year by like April 1st, I believe. Yeah, it's three months to do it. Um, But I use sales tax and more. Uh, It's a gentleman who does sales tax and he also does Canadian sales tax as well, but he's in Rockwall, Texas. Um, Great rates and it's once a year. Now, when it's time to pay, you have to use like a third-party service. One of them is called Plastique with yeah. a, like plastic with a Q. That's who I yeah. use um, to pay. Um, well, Plastique's pretty cool on a side note. they Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually use them for the first time where I was paying and getting points uh, using a credit card in lieu of a wire transfer, pretty much. Yeah, there's something weird. Like you, you can't pay Canadian Revenue Agency directly so you have to use a third-party company. Now, it was they're, lucrative. They're, we tried it one time. I mean, the jury's out on whether I would recommend it, but like, we right, tried right, 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 right. And it was 
it was a profitable transaction for us. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. And the nice thing is like, you know, people get sometimes tripped up on, you know, sales tax and things like that. But the nice thing is it's more of the complexity in the US. Every state's different. In Canada, you're really just filing for most people, it's going to be you're really just filing to the federal government once a year. And then you're whatever Amazon collects, you're subtracting out what you paid at the border and then also what you pay. Um, they charge you GST, HST on top of the uh, fulfillment fees. So Amazon sends these um, tax invoices, which sometimes people look at it like, oh my gosh, I got a tax invoice. No, 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 that's actually a good thing because that's something less you're going to have to pay later. Okay, that makes sense. Um, take, taking a little bit of a step back. So we went all sure. the way through to paying the sales tax. What um, have you? Do you normally ship from the U.S. to Canada? Have you any experience with sending stuff directly from uh, another country direct into Canada? And is it any more complicated if you have than doing it from the U.S.? There's people that do it. I'm a control freak, so I, I do it, send everything into the U.S. However, I'll say this. Going into Europe would be completely a waste of money to send things to the US and then send it to Europe. Like there's not enough margin in, in my products to do it that way. So I send everything into a prep company and there's ones in Canada that do this as well. Um, where I send everything into um, basically a prep company that does prep work for me. Or you can send it straight into Amazon if you're if your product is Amazon ready, um, if you're going into Europe that way too. So you know if your margins aren't there to send into the US and then send it into Canada, you can send things, you could have you tell your supplier, okay, if you're ordering a thousand units, you could say, I want a hundred units to go into Canada or a hundred units to go into Europe or whatever the case is. Sure. And then the other 900 to go into the US. Absolutely. And when you're bringing your listings over from Canada, uh, this is something that it seems like half, half the world gets wrong, but your reviews, if you have enhanced brand content on your listing or anything like that in the US and you bring it over to Canada, what happens to it? Gotcha. So. You know, with the enhanced brand content, you would have to still upload that. But the reviews, so here, here's the interesting thing. The nice thing is you're not starting over from scratch. Right. So what happens is your reviews, generally speaking, and I've seen them test this out. And so I've seen it both ways. But if you do a search, your product reviews from the US will generally show up on the search page. Sometimes it'll show none if you don't have any Canadian reviews. But then on the next page, you're going to have your US reviews show up at the top until you start getting Canadian reviews. So what happens is once you have Canadian reviews, the US reviews kind of drop down and they're no longer like displayed at the top of either the search page or the listing page, but they're always there. And so which is very I think powerful. people are used to going and checking. Yeah, that's very powerful. I mean, starting there and just seeing that there's some some social validation on the listing is is very powerful. <clears throat> yeah, and, and and anecdotally, I think people are used to checking, like, what do people in Amazon.com say? And they're, they're used to scrolling down and looking at that. So if social proof is important to them, which it is for a lot of people, it's right there and they see it. And so like, oh, okay. So people in the US said this, well, it's in English. Most of the people going on Amazon.ca are reading in English. So it's right there for them to see what people have to say. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. That's how we, and that's what I would do. Uh, you mentioned that you have a service that helps sellers with uh, navigating this. Like maybe I'm sure. I mean, you broke it down very simple, but everyone understood what you said. But for somebody that's just still 
intimidated on this, but they want to execute and sell in these other countries. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that service, how somebody can get a hold of you? And I, the goal here is I, we just want people to start selling internationally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So regardless of whether or not they use my service or whatnot, if they go to um, maximizingecommerce.com forward slash Carlos, uh, you can download a checklist where I walk you through step by step. I call it a checklist. It's really more of like a mini guide. You know, I would suggest you know print that out, have the steps right there. So it's everything's there for you. But if you need a little bit more help on the following page, if you want, you can apply for a free thirty minute strategy session. You know, as long as you're a seller that's up and running, I'd be more than happy to spend thirty minutes walking you through. You know what it is that you can do in your business and what should work for you. And then, um, you know, if, and if they want a little bit more help, I have uh, options for that as well. But, you know, really what it comes down to is I'm with you, Carlos. I want more people growing their businesses because the rising tide lifts all boats. I agree, man. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything that we didn't cover for someone that's just starting to sell internationally that maybe I didn't ask or that you think should be added? That's a great question. And some of it is, you know, as much, well, I, I have a very good point to this. So in working with people and talking to people about selling internationally, what I, I think a lot of it comes down to expectations. So sometimes people will have the expectation of like, okay, if I'm ordering a thousand units at a time, I need to order a thousand units of my product to send into Canada or to send into Europe. No, just like we talked about before, just kind of split it up or you know, bring it into the US and you can always t- make the process better as time goes on, but at least always think long-term. And then also too, sometimes you know, people go the other direction. It's like they want to be so conservative when they start that they get in their own way. Whereas like, let's say they have 20 SKUs, they might send in one or two and maybe they're not the best one or two for whatever reason for mm-hmm. people in that country. And they say, well, you just don't get the sales there. Well, you've only got 10% of your listings there. So you got to give it a little bit more, more ability to try. Because sometimes for whatever reason, whether it's just people's tastes in that country or just how things work, that, or you know, your competitors and what the landscape is of who you're competing with, because it's going to be a little different, um, you might not sell the same products in the same mix. You might get, let's say, 10, 15% of your sales, but it might be a different yeah. mix of products. Just a little bit for your product over there to gain relevancy. Um, exactly. On the platform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, the nice thing is it's a perfect time to start. So now you're building up data for Amazon to have and for you to have as far as like what works, you know, what PPC works. Because again, English speaking marketplace. So if people are, searching for garlic press and you're selling garlic presses, whatever keywords work for you in the US should also work for you there. And you'll have more data and you'll be able to optimize more as time goes on so that when you get to the holiday season, now you have a nice bucket of revenue. So as we're recording this, um, you know, the most recent holiday season, you know, I had done a little over $100,000 in the US from like Thanksgiving to a little bit before Christmas. Well, I did another $25,000 in sales internationally. I wouldn't have gotten that if I hadn't been up and running prior to that. So it's like a lot of times we think about like, oh, you know, it would be, um, it would be nice to, you know, sell internationally, but 
you know, if you think about it, you just got to get out there and start widening that net. And the more you widen the net, you'll, you'll catch more fish, you'll bring more people in, and you'll have more to accelerate the snowball of your business as you're reinvesting. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Kevin, I want to be respectful of your time. And I'm looking at the time. It feels like it's only been like five minutes, but we've been, oh, you've been dropping a lot of knowledge on this podcast. Well, thank um, you. What's the best way? Well, first of all, hold up a second, because your podcast is actually one of the few podcasts that I listen to. Can oh, you thank hear you. what your podcast is and what's the best way for people to get a hold of you that listen to this episode? Yeah. So um, thank you. I, I have a podcast called Maximizing E-Commerce. And you know, you have been on that podcast as we have Number one about download. Earlier. Number one download. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you you did a great job. And people are like, I don't hear this stuff anywhere else. <laughs> so that's one of the cool things is you're you're so giving with your information. And you know, I try to be giving with information in the trend and bring on interesting guests that can help people in a variety of ways, you know, on their e-commerce journey. So um, you definitely go check out Maximizing E-commerce uh, podcast. It's one place they can find me. Um, as well as, like I said, if you wanted someone to download step by step, basically outline of what we just talked about here, they could go to maximizingecommerce.com forward slash Carlos. Um, you know, or they could find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Absolutely, that's where I find you. Um, yeah, is maximizing. Uh, final question that I like to do on this podcast is favorite book. Favorite book that I've ever read. So I would say one of the ones that's been the most impactful long-term is Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And yes. the reason I like that one is because really it was when I started switching from the corporate mindset to the entrepreneurial mindset. And I think it really clicked with me about just small actions over time compound. And so it's, it's kind of like this whole thing with international selling. The book has nothing to do with international selling, but the concept is the same of everything we do in our business is that there's a compounding effect that at, over time adds up and, and can lead to huge changes. But if we don't take the little steps over time, the little actions, we won't see those changes. Well said. That's a very powerful book. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and coming on the show. I have no doubt you'll be on the show in the future. Um, <laughs> Look forward to it. It's been a pleasure. Like what you heard and want to stay connected? Join our Facebook group or find me anywhere on social media at Wizards of Amazon or text the word Amazon to 69922.